When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't have a job to Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here wherever you get your podcasts or on Patreon a day early if you are a lovely subscriber. Pleasure to us. My name is Kenny and I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you as well, Kenny. Hope you're doing all right today. I am. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing absolutely fine. I'm just, you know, plodding along here. There's always wrestling to talk about. There's always podcasts to do. But, you know, this is a fun life that we've signed up to. So this is what we do. You know, it's like working, you know, in B&M bargains and uh, complaining that people are coming in and buying stuff, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we we are very aware and very uh, grateful. Don't speak I'm just speaking for you. We're very grateful that we get to do this. So Of course you know. we are. Of course we are. By the way, I was in a giant the new giant B&M has opened in Morecambe, about 4 miles from Lancaster. Oh, really? <laughs> I was there last night. And that's just, it's just on my mind. It was spectacular, Kenny. Spectacular. There you go. There you go. Well, listen, get yourself down to your local B&M bargains after this um, and stock up for our next podcast um, endeavour, <laughs> which is No Mercy 2002, which we'll be recording later today. Um, oh, yes. But, yes. Looking forward to that, Kenny. Have you watched the show yet? Uh, I'm halfway through. I've just finished the, the Triple H and Kane match. So oh, I mean, Oh, oh, oh. You know, the baby face is accused of being a murderer and then he loses. <laughs> it's just I mean, 
But we, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that um, on that recording. But yeah, there's plenty to talk about today. Obviously, you know, the AEW thing is a bit more newsworthy due to the Adam Page stuff, which we will get to. But let's talk about NXT first, uh, so that we make sure to get it in there. Obviously, they had a lot of main roster talent on the show. They had Gallows and Anderson, they had Shinsuke Nakamura, Rhea Ripley, Raquel Rodriguez, and Kevin Owens. Um, I even I thought that the show held up pretty well in the ratings against AEW. Um, yeah, yeah, six hundred and seventy-six thousand viewers it drew uh, compared to Dynamite seven hundred and fifty-two thousand. So previous week NXT had drawn seven hundred and thirty-seven thousand viewers. Obviously, that was unopposed mm-hmm. with no competition from Dynamite. And Dynamite last week on October twelfth drew nine hundred and eighty-three thousand viewers. You can tell Kenny that I've looked this information up. <laughs> You were prepared. You knew what was coming today. There's no way I could have remembered all that. <laughs> no way. Um, but, you know, the thing is, WWE's hot right now. So, you know, NXT's kind of, you know, getting a bit of that that uh, rub. Um, and obviously, AEW's trying to recover from everything that happened. So, I mean, you know, I think the, the ratings were kind of roughly what you would expect them to be. I, I would agree with that, yeah. And it just shows that there are two different audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people who watch both would have then... We watched the other um, at a later date or later that evening, even. So, um, but I mean, I think I think they're they're respectable numbers for both programs, considering they they did go head to head on Tuesday it. night. Um, I mean, but there again, you know, they they were pretty loaded shows. I mean, that was a really stacked up NXT show, wasn't it? Yeah, um, you did, and, I mean, um, they were definitely, you know. They were definitely stacking it because they were going head to head. You know, let's not exactly, cut ourselves. Yeah, but you know exactly. that, that that's what you do in wrestling. You know, you, if you've got competition, you stack up. Um, of course it is. And obviously it's Halloween Havoc this Saturday as well, which does feel like a big show, doesn't it? Yeah, within the NXT confines, it feel it feels like a, a, a big show. It feels like, you know, but this is gonna be the blueprint of, you know, this is the first Triple H era um NXT sort of takeover show. So you know, will we will we see it kind of going back a little bit to the old shows, um, or will they stay the same? It'll be interesting to see the difference. But what were your highlights from NXT uh, on Tuesday night? Yeah, I mean, just I mean, I think seeing Kevin Owens there was really good. Um, you know, Gallows and Anderson, just their return. Um, I mean, I think there was a there was a lot of interesting stuff on there, and just leading towards the event this Saturday, which feels like the conclusion to some feuds. I mean, I'm really curious to see what happens in the Braun Breaker Dragunov versus JD match because I mean, it feels like JD McDonough's gonna he's like the designated jobber, but I mean, I think that would be viewed as a huge disappointment if he were to lose again. So, but I then mean, you can't really see him. You can't imagine him winning the title. No, either. well, I mean, possibly. I mean. I think I think you know I think Breaker they've done a really good job with Breaker this year because he was definitely in a position where he was on the verge of receiving the dreaded resentment heat mm-hmm. from an audience who felt that he'd been pushed too far too fast because he was you know a Steiner offspring and you know somebody who they see as a future main roster superstar and it all just felt manufactured now obviously i understand that pro wrestling is manufactured and that seems like a an absurd word to use but i think if you're a wrestling fan you'll know what i mean mm-hmm. now, if it's a natural push and it feels like somebody has earned it and deserves it and 
is worthy of it and he's running with it and he's making it work, you know, that's something that even people who don't particularly like the talent can support or at least respect. If it's somebody who's in that position because they're on the fast track to superstardom because, you know, they are the company's chosen one, that, as we've seen many times in wrestling history, can be a big problem. And I think Bron Breaker has overcome that. And I think he, sh- he has improved so much as a performer. I think he's matured as a star. I think he showed lots of different sides to his personality and particularly his in-ring game, which I think is really multifaceted. There's so many things that he can do in there. And I just feel like he, I feel like he feels that he's, he deserves to be in that role. And that's a huge part of it, isn't it? Self-confidence in pro wrestling, because it's obviously all, it's not like the, these guys are really winning matches, of course. So you, you've got to believe in yourself, haven't you, as a pro wrestler? Mm-hmm. And I think he does that. So on one hand, maybe I'd like to see Dragunov win because I think that would be a huge boost for him. But on the other hand, maybe, you know, this is yet another string to break his bow. We, you've got to imagine he's going to get the call up early next year, Kenny. Surely. Yeah, yeah you've got to imagine. Yeah, surely. I mean, I mean. You know, we've, talk, we've talked a lot recently about synergy and booking and stuff. And I think that the reason for me that J.D. McDonough just doesn't really feel of the level of this is that I think if you were to put Breaker or Ilya on the main roster in the next six months, it kind of feels like a good fit. So yeah. You then McDonough, I don't feel, I, I, I just don't think he's on that level. I think he needs no. more time. Maybe he goes in a faction or a team or something that can kind of get more out of him. Um, I just don't see him there yet. But I did think it was interesting at the end of the, the KO show, um, which was fun, um, that we got Austin Theory coming out. And he yes, indeed, indeed, planting that seed. Yeah, because I mean, look, there is no chance. Well, it, I'm not saying there's no. There is always a chance, but Austin Theory should not be cashing in on Roman Reigns and winning. Well, that's just not no. where he is. But the NXT title is a good way to pivot that potentially. That Theory could, you know, have a run there for a, a brief period as champ or something. Um, there's ways they can go with it. So. Um, oh, I did. It was very bizarre to me. I don't know if you noticed this. So, Theory comes out with the briefcase, right? Yeah. And he's just carrying the briefcase. And then Ilya is just like looking at the camera and being very sort of like, you know, hyped and ignoring Theory. But Theory's staring at Ilya and they keep cutting the camera to each one. And I was just like, why is Ilya not looking at Austin Theory? Why is he not like, you know, giving him some daggers or something? It was yeah. a very uh, odd uh, positioning, but um, I think I think you know I, I think the theory thing. I can understand why some people would say, well, you know, if you're going to do the theory thing, why wouldn't you make it a surprise at Halloween Havoc? But to me, I mean, I'm not someone who would who would go out my way to watch Halloween Havoc usually, or you know, in the in the Vince era. But I think if you now you're thinking, oh, Austin Theory might cash in, I think that might make some people check it out to see if that's going to happen. So I think it was clever. Yeah, I think so as well. And and again, it's that joined up booking approach where each side is helping, you know, Raw's helping NXT and vice versa. That's if assuming NXT can help Raw, which I'm sure it can in some ways. And it just makes it more interesting um, that all these, you know, strands and all these different stories are in some way connected. And I mean, that's one thing that I've noticed about WWE over the last few months Every featured player has a story or more than one story 
And often these stories are overlapping with other people's stories. And when you do that, it makes booking a lot easier because you've got so many things you can do with characters. And they're not just, you know, in one, you know, lane or, you know, they're not like in their own little parallel sort of section of the, you know, they're, they're not there just, you know, running parallel to other people. And, and it's not, they're like, you know, they're, they're not crossing. Their two stories are not overlapping. So I think that's really good that they've done that with NXT and Raw and SmackDown as well by um, sending performers from one brand to another. And it just makes the whole thing. Yeah, just it just feels like every all the moving parts are working in harmony, doesn't it? Like they're trying to get each other over and they're trying to make the trying the use, you know, every minute of TV time to make things more interesting and to make characters more intriguing and to make the story, you know, more to have more depth and to have more possibilities, more options. And you're right. I mean, with Austin Theory, it does seem inconceivable that he would cash in on Bron Breaker. But if he were to do so, it would be like, wow, I didn't see this coming. And Theory could take the NXT title to the main roster and he could defend it there for a while. Mm-hmm. And that would you know, put more eyes on NXT and potentially boost NXT's ratings. Or would put more eyes on the NXT title and then potentially convince more people to watch NXT on Tuesday night after what Theory does on Monday night on Raw. So, I mean, it does seem, yeah, it does seem unfathomable, Kenny, that this will happen. But the more you drill down into it and you think about it, it's like, well, actually, maybe this would be a really good thing for everyone if Theory were to win the belt. Kind of get, gets you out of a lot of, it gets you out of the situation of, you know, if Theory just loses, does he become a Damian Sandow? Does he become yeah. a Baron Corbin? Um, the other thing I want to ask you about NXT before we move on to the AEW stuff is we did have the, obviously, set up from Raw and SmackDown, Raquel facing Cora Jade and um, Rhea facing... Uh, Roxanne Perez. Roxanne Perez, yeah. Um, so obviously Rhea beat Roxanne in the opener, but then later on we had um, Raquel ended up taking a DQ loss, which was you know good to give one of them some form of win, even if it is just kind of... Because you know, uh, the candlestick gets involved, Rodriguez ends up using it, and she gets disqualified. Sakura wins by DQ. I thought that was a good way of giving, you know, one of the NXT women a win, you know, at least on paper, rather than just having, you know, the main roster women come in and squash them. Yeah. And again, it's, 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 you know, using all the brands collectively, collaboratively to try and get the, the, the stars further down the pecking order, you know, move them up the pecking order and get them over. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just real sort of basic stuff. But yeah, I think it would have been disappointing for NXT. I mean, you know, Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez, I think it's a big test for them at Halloween Havoc. To me, they both, I think they've done well in this feud, not in the ring, just in terms of their angles and their promos. I think Cora Jade particularly has done very well as a heel. I think this role suits her better than the babyface role did. So I think they have stepped up and become bigger stars as personalities. But, I mean, as wrestlers, I mean, this is going to be a big thing for them on Saturday um, at Halloween Havoc. Because, I mean, they've clashed previously and it almost felt like a, you know, slightly more polished indie match when those two were in there. Obviously, Roxanne Perez is still really young. I, I believe she's still only 20, Kenny. I think she's still really, you know, yeah, she's yeah, obviously, she is. Yeah, she's obviously not experienced yet. And she's, 
you know, hopefully will improve in future. But I think, yeah, this match at Halloween Havoc for these two, I think it's they put a lot into it. You know, there's been a lot of TV time, as you just mentioned. Rhea Ripley, Rhea Ripley and uh, Raquel Rodriguez were brought in to give um, the feud some more spice and give it a bit of a lift and just to make more people aware of this match and what it means and, um, you know, this into this involvement from main roster stars. Um, you know, I think this is a big opportunity for Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade uh, on Saturday. I hope they really deliver in the ring. I hope they really do. Because this was going to be their feud, in, feud ending match, mm. I would think. Um, yeah. I can't, you know, I can't imagine that it will continue after Halloween Havoc. So it, it really needs to be, you know, like a blow away performance by those two. Um, and I think the rest of the show will be really good as well. So, I mean, that heaps more pressure on them to really perform. Um, but, you know, if you want to be a star in pro wrestling, Kenny, you've got to perform, you know, when the spotlight's on you, when, when you know, when it's a when it's a big show environment. I mean, that's how you prove yourself to your superiors and the audience that you are worthy of bigger and better things. Absolutely. Um, well, listen, let's move on to uh, to AEW. Obviously, Dynamite, uh, they loaded up that show as well, as well as the NXT show. And just some of the things I wanted to kind of bring up. Um, I mean, I, I thought the MJF and Regal segment was excellent. I really enjoyed that. And you were bringing in that real-life scenario of M- I mean, I don't know how much of it is real, but you know, I assume there's a curdle of truth to it some, to some extent. Um but I mean, it was it was a pretty good segment. It sets up a story now of MJF. You know, will he take the shortcut? Will he not? What did you make here of the uh, MJF and Regal segment? So this is the segment after the aborted main event, right? That's no, no, this is the one earlier on the show. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry, Kenny. I haven't actually seen that. Just seen the. Uh... I've just seen the segment afterwards. What happened? You'll have to explain it to me. Uh, so basically, MJF came out. Uh, Regal was doing an interview in the ring, and MJF came out. And uh, he said, I want to tell you a story, a story that you know very well. And he said, you know, when I was 19, I was hired as a WWE extra. I came to the Barclays Centre and the people who were there that wanted to see us do tryout matches were Arn Anderson, Adam Pearce, Steve Malenko and you, William Regal. And uh, you pulled me aside and you said that, um, you were going to get me hired today. And then later on, when you found out I was 19, you said that I was much too young. You know, you broke broke my heart, broke my dreams, but you told me to check in with you every month and send you a match and a promo every month, which is what I did. Um, you, and you you told me that, you know, I get people jobs and you mentioned Claudio, Brian Danielson and John Moxley as the examples. Um, and then he said, you know, I sent you a tape every month. Month one, you responded saying thank you very much. Month two, you said thank you very much. And month three, you said, uh, and then he read out this email that uh, Regal sent him month three saying that, um, the, the, the parameters have changed and we're now only hiring you know, the best talent in the world. So I suggest you go out there and make a name for yourself. And uh, I'll know when you have. And he, he just, you know, starts going off on him. Just said, so, you know, I, I almost gave up. I wanted to kill myself, but I wasn't going to do it because I wanted to prove you wrong. And then Regal kind of talked about, you know, I started wrestling when I was 16 and I was, you know, wrestling in carnivals and I was getting the shit kicked out of me. Um, you know, so if, if if what it took for you to get to where you are as an email, then you've had it easy compared to what my my generation had to have. And then he said, you know, I'm an old school villain, you know, but you're attacking people at like Tony Schiavone who don't deserve it. Um, but why don't you do something different for once and win, win, win by yourself? Don't take shortcuts. Don't get people doing your dirty work for you and try and win on your own. And that was the gist of the problem. It was, it was very, very good. 
Yeah, so, I'm sorry. I haven't, I haven't seen that it's yet. interesting because that's now the story. The story is, will MJF take the shortcut that he has always taken in AEW as a character? Well, or will he, you know, try and win it, not fairly, but on his own? Well, that's and what that's he said. the whole thing that Regal was saying the promo of, you know, do, do, do whatever method you want to, but do it by yourself. Well, so, that is... Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely worth checking out for anyone who's not seen it. Um, well, that, that is what he said. Is... To, to later. We'll get to the main event in a second. I did just want to give a shout out to Dalton Castle. Um, I had not seen Dalton Castle perform before. Um, and he's a riot. He's very funny. Um, he's got the boys, the boys zone, which for, for us in the UK fan is obviously quite funny, given the yeah. you know, boys zone with the UK band in the 90s. Um, but uh, Dalton Castle seems to be the one Ring of Honor actor who's actually got a bit of personality. It's. Um, it's wild. I mean, are you, are you a fan of Dalton Castle? What do you think of his act? Well, the first time I saw I saw him live at a Preston City wrestling show in Preston, I guess this would have been 2016, I think he was. And um, <laughs> he came out, you know, with the, uh, you know, we talked about this, didn't we, when we were reviewing War Games in mm-hmm. 1992 um, with a Johnny B. Bad style robe. Um, you know, he's the peacock, isn't he, Dalton Castle? That's the gimmick uh, with his boys. And uh, and it went down a, a storm uh, on the PCW show back. It must have been 2016. And um, yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, I've spoke to a few wrestlers about Dalton Castle over the years. And I, I had this vision that he would end up in the WWE, would end up in WWE because the character is so strong. And there was nothing like that in WWE in the late 2010s and nothing like that in WWE now. I think, unfortunately, Castle's time has been and gone. Um, I think if he was going to be signed by WWE, it would have already happened by now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's um, some people have likened him to uh, like leaping Lanny Poffo, haven't they? I think that was, <laughs> uh, you know, and there's. Because he's he's got he's very animated in his expressions, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So, which I think is a big part of his appeal as well. He almost sort of looks like a cartoon, like an animated character, doesn't he? Like an old, you know, Hanna Barbera character with his rubber face and his expressions. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know whether I really think he's that brilliant in the ring. I mean, I think he's always sort of disappointed me slightly as a wrestler. I've always hoped for more from him as a in-ring performer. But the character, I mean, maybe he's one of those guys who, who knows that he doesn't have to be that good as a, a wrestler because the character stuff really carries his act. And I think I think that's what he's done. Um, but maybe that's the reason why WWE's never, never signed him. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely a fun character. And um, audiences, you know, love him. I mean, he's... Um, he always provokes a reaction, certainly with that entrance. I mean, and to me, to me, it's like you know we're now in October, and you know we've had all, we've had a lot of you know dull guff from Ring of Honor on Dynamite. Yeah, and I'm like, why why can't we have Dalton Castle? This guy's great. This guy's so funny. He's so entertaining. I mean, I, I saw somebody make an argument the other day about you know Bray Wyatt saying, well, when did he ever have a good match? I said, well, yeah, he might have only had a handful of really good matches, but. You don't watch Bray Wyatt to get a you know classic technical wrestling match. He's a character, and Dalton Castle's a character. So I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that you need to be the best wrestler in the world. You know, if you're a character, you can kind of get away with more. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He's um, 
Yeah, I mean, you're right about Ring of Honor as well. It was, you know, you just think of some of the people that have come in from Ring of Honor and not really made that much of an impression. And Dalton Castle, every time he appears, he, he does. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of his. I mean, hopefully, I mean, I believe Tony Khan did an interview this week with Sports Illustrated in which he stated that he's planning on launching like a Ring of Honor television show next year. Did you see that interview, Kenny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to be doing a weekly TV show following Final Battle in December. So, okay. you know, hope, I mean, look, that's good. Give it a weekly TV show and then give people the option if they want yeah. to check it. It's like, it's like NXT. Like, I don't really want to see NXT all over Raw and SmackDown all the time because, you know, some people don't want to watch NXT. They're not. They're, they want to watch Raw or SmackDown. And I feel it with ROH. I know it's different, but like you know, give people the option if they want to check it out in a separate show. Great. You can have crossover, obviously, because you know he yeah. owns both of them. But I think there needs to be that separation more, so that um, you know, so you can follow somebody's journey in Ring of Honor if you want, and then they can go to AEW and become a character there if that's the way it pans out. Oh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I mean, I appreciate the NXT WWE crossover in the run-up to Halloween Havoc. That's for an express purpose, which is to promote this Saturday's premium live event, which incidentally, can we just mention Booker T on last week's NXT? He referred to Halloween Havoc as a pay-per-view. No, no, book. No, we don't. They don't. It's not a pay per view. It's a premium live event. It's like they've been premium live events now for a while. <laughs> so, and Vic Joseph had to make the save there. What do you make of Booker's uh, commentary, Kenny? Um, I mean, he, he's not as bad as I thought he was going to be, but that's very low praise. I, th- I, the thing about Booker T, and I don't know how he's done it. He was someone who used to be. I used. To, I was so behind Booker T. I was so behind him as a character. He seemed like a real laugh and a real, real fun performer. And in the last couple of years, he just seems like this really bitter, sort of arrogant veteran legend figure. And I think that comes across in his commentary a little bit. I just don't think he... I, 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 he feels more like Jerry Lawler. And Jerry Lawler's like 75. He just feels out of touch, doesn't really know what's going on. And... Yeah, I, I think, you know, he, he became a bit of a caricature of himself on all those pre-shows, didn't he? Where he would do, you know, the shucky-ducky quack-quack and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and he opened the uh, NXT October, October 11th NXT, his first uh, broadcast with Vic Joseph, with that phrase, shucky-ducky quack-quack. So that's, um, yeah, I can't imagine Jerry Lawler will be too happy about you exaggerating his age, Kenny. <laughs> Did you see that photo of Jerry Lawler actually on Twitter? I think he's 72. So I don't think he's 75 yet. Um, but I mean, yeah, Booker, to me, sort of, he mumbles a bit and his commentary is just sort of noise. I don't think it really adds anything to it. And I'm just so disappointed that Nigel McGuinness did not receive this spot. This should have been his role. He was patiently waiting for this gig. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the vacancy appeared uh, by Vic Joseph's side. Booker got the call and then Nige got the other call. You fired, son. I mean, I just thought that was terrible. So, I mean, it should be Nigel McGuinness working with with uh, Vic Joseph, not Booker T. I mean, I, I, mean, I just don't think it's going to last because I just don't think he really adds much to the broadcast. 
I don't think he really understands the characters. And I don't think he's got the patience to really put the work in to get to know people and the stories and to really, you know, he's there almost, as you say, like a Jerry Lawler to add his sort of random, you know, whimsical asides rather than really, you know, get involved and really push things and push the characters. And also, you know, Booker's got this thing where he has his favourites, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And like whether they're faces or heels, if he likes them, then he's going to put them over. And I suppose lots of wrestlers have that to uh, lots of commentators have that to an extent. But I think Booker, to me, sort of that sort of almost defines his his character on screen is that he's somebody that you know has his what was it, his fave five that he always used to bang on about. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, stop banging on about that, Booker. It's like you're there to get yourself over. No, you're there to get the talent over. That's your job. And I wish you would do that. Uh, well, listen, let's. So, the, the obviously, the big story coming out of Dynamite on Tuesday night was uh, John Moxley and Hangman Page were having their world title match. It was going pretty well. It was about 11 minutes in, and Page gets this lariat from Moxley. And the, the landing doesn't look that bad when you just see it, but he does not move after that. No, um, you know, massive uh, props to Paul Turner, the referee, who immediately saw what was happening and called the match off. You got we got Doctor Samson in, yeah, did the checks. Match was called off in thirty seconds. So you know, I think they really deserve to be commended for how quickly they acted in this scenario. Um, and you know, Taz was Taz looked very worried on commentary. You know, he was. He just looked really concerned about Adam Page and how bad it might have been. Luckily, though, he, there was a st- statement released later that night that it is a concussion. And obviously, a concussion is not good, but I mean, compared to what it could have been, um, you know, it's it's good for Page. And I think you know the, the blessing in disguise for him potentially might be that I think fans will really be behind him coming at this. Uh, what did you make of the whole situation? Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it was. I mean, I thought the match, it started hot. They were fighting in the crowd, ended up in the ring. You know, Moxley bled, of course. Um, I mean, the match did sort of cool down a bit before the injury occurred, but it almost felt like they were just, you know, this was the second act and they were just going to then work to, you know, the, the finish. Yeah. Um, and the clothesline, yeah, it didn't really look that bad. I mean, I guess he kind of hit him in the jaw, maybe he hit him high. And the bump, he did like a flip bump, but he seemed to be in control on the bump, didn't he? Yeah, it maybe did... it's to do. I mean, maybe the only thing I can think of, and I mean, again, there's no fault here of anybody. No, so, no, we're just you know, we're just, but I think maybe what it might have been, and this is with my zero ability to know right to to of, of physicality, but you know, Paige tried to do the flip bump, and he's yeah. quite a big guy. Yeah, so maybe it's just you know because that like the young bucks take that flip bump and they can do it really well because they're they're smaller. And they, you know, they're acrobatic or whatever. And maybe it was just a case of like he, you know, tried to do that bump and it just, it was an inch off what it usually would have been. And he whacked his head and that was it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's it. I mean, it's, it didn't feel as bad. I mean, there was the Forbidden Door match in which um, Adam Cole suffered a concussion. You could Uh tell that something had got, you know, you could tell something had gone very wrong there. And happily, they handled this a lot better than they did the Cole situation in the, uh, you know, the match. Uh, what Akada was one of his opponents. Akada scored the pin, didn't he, in that, that match? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, ref Turner, uh, the referee Paul Turner was straight in there. Doc Samson was summoned. 
And yeah, they just called the match off, got the camera off page, got it on the commentators. It was on John Moxley a little bit, but there was no uh, camera shot on um, page. I noticed that they loosened the ropes. We saw this with the post-match angle with William Regal and Moxley and MGF, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. And they loosened the ropes in order to get the stretcher out. So there was no messing around. They just got him straight out of there. I mean, you know, which this is how WWE would have handled things. So, I mean, this is first rate. This is how you're supposed to do it. So, yeah, they, they absolutely handled it very well. Um, um, and, and it was good as well to hear Adam Page say, you know, uh, state rather on Twitter that he was doing all right. And um, which is, you know, heartening to hear, of course. I mean, um, but yeah, the whole way they handled it was was exactly how it should have been dealt with. Yeah. And they've learned from mistakes of the past. And, you know, now... <clears throat> now there's there's there'll be a bit more confidence that you know something happens they're there straight away ready to yeah. go. Um, so then uh, MGF comes out or or Moxie calls MGF out and uh, MGF comes out to to basically cash in his chip um, with the referee and then Moxley flips him off and he ends up uh, you know retreating and giving Regal the the chip and getting the mic and saying that he didn't want excuses. He wants Moxley 100% when he beats him, clean in the middle, and he wants to challenge him at full gear. Um, and then Moxley sort of said, you know, gave all these examples of what's going to happen to him if he's asking for this, and he's going to make an example out of him. But uh, yeah, the story here seems to be, will MJF take that shortcut based on, you know, the promo from earlier? So there's a story going into it, and it's kind of crazy to me that two years ago, two and a half years ago, we had that main event match for Double or Nothing 2020 with Moxley and MJF. And MGF was doing that campaign to be champion. Yeah. I mean, that this guy has come on so far in two years as a as a you know even on the microphone, and he was really good then. Like he's so. I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what they do. I mean, you've got to assume MGF's going to win it in full gear, right? Yeah, surely. Well, Moxie, um Moxie was there explaining how he was just going to beat him up, and all these terrible things were he was all this damage he was going to inflict upon MGF. I think that the the important point that MGF made, and this is obviously an extension of the conversation that he'd had with Regal earlier on the show, was that he said that he was going to, he was notifying people in advance that he was going to cash in the chip at full gear on November 19th. And I think he said, for once in my miserable life, I'm going to, I'm going to earn it. I'm going to do this the right way. I'm not going to take a shortcut. So that was what he explicitly said, wasn't it? In the end of the show. Yeah, uh, I'm telling you now. I'm cashing in. Then I want, I want you to be hundred percent when the match happens. I don't want to cash in now when you've just been through a match with, you know, another top talent. So yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it almost feels like he's. Some people are speculating out there. There's going to be a double turn, you know, with MJF and what's happened with the firm and Stokely, and mm-hmm. you know, it feels like you know is that is that a ruse? You know, I don't know. But it feels like MGF is edging towards a face turn, doesn't it? Yeah, and it feels like if he does, and and I, I use this comparison not because of like the, of where they are, but like it, it reminds me of like The Rock when he would become when he became a babyface, he retained the kind of rockism that he had. Yeah, and and I, MGF would do the same thing. You know, he's not all of a sudden going to be, you know, s- smiling and shaking out his hand and being just like a quite you know clean white baby face um but it's, it's interesting it adds a good layer they've, they've we've got a story for the full gear main event um it's layered in the past with the regal stuff so it's a good start so we'll see how they 
uh, build on it. Um, but the most important thing, obviously, is Adam Page is okay, which is what we were hoping to hear. So, because sure. um, I, yeah, I watched it yesterday and I already knew he was okay, which I was thankful that that was kind of the way that it turned out because people watching it live, that must have been quite tough to, you know, not really know what what's happening, especially with the the cameras on the announcers and them just kind of, you know, because I mean, again, another classic thing that is they did not show you could not see Adam Page any at any point. There was no sort of like you know you couldn't see it. It was it, it was it was a good way they just kind of to be safe. You know he's off camera. There yeah, was, you know, they they were putting it everywhere else to make sure that there was that respect. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, actually, I mean there was some booze, wasn't there, from the audience when the match was when when the match was stopped. Because yeah, I don't even knew that it was. Well, it didn't actually. To me, it didn't look that bad. No, it didn't. I think to the like remember the famous um, Enzo. KO in that yes. I can't remember that it's going back a few years, obviously. And you look to that, it's like, wow, that's really bad. That is really bad when his head hit the mat. And you knew straight away that something had gone very wrong. With the page thing, it sort of looked like he was in control on the bump. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, fans I think can be forgiven, but I'm sure afterwards they those who booed felt bad about it when they realized what had actually happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it was they did the right thing. We've already talked about that got the camera off him, got him out of the ring, and he's doing all right. I'm sure he'll be back in action in a few weeks. Well, listen, uh, we will be back in action next week. We hope that you will join us then. Patreon's the best way to uh, keep listening to us, keep checking us out. We'll be recording an overrun over there shortly, so that'll be up this weekend, and uh, the No Mercy review will be up there. So, yeah, we hope that you enjoy that. InsideTheRopesMagazine.com is where to pre-order the next issue with uh, John Moxley on the cover. comes out next week. Um, and if you subscribe to us on a monthly rolling subscription, which you can cancel anytime, uh, you usually get the mag a few days early. So it's a kind of nice pair of being a subscriber. Um, exactly. And can I suggest, I, I recently subscribed to a Patreon thing, a guitar thing, mm-hmm. and it's sensible to do it at the beginning of the month, isn't it, Kenny? Well, yeah, because whatever day you sign up to Patreon, that is the day that you get billed uh, every month. So just do it on a day where it works for your, you know, your pay or whatever it is, however your money comes in. Um you know, just that's, that's a good tip. Uh, we want to thank you for all your support, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.